What's up, my people? Hope you're all doing well. Welcome to today's show. And as it's season three, you already know it's not going to be a monologue. So, Yudi, what's happening? Hey. <laughs> Are you good? I'm sweet. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, man. I'm very good. How's the week been? You know, it's, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, I can't complain. How, how about you? How are you doing? I never ask you how oh you're doing. Oh my God, fun. you're the first person. 70 episodes in, you're the first person to ask me how I'm doing. People asking me how I'm doing. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. That's good to hear. Happily retired. Happily retired. Anyway, so big question anyway. Are you enjoying being a part of the show? I am. I'm, I'm loving being a part of the show. Okay. Thank you for having me. Okay, okay, okay. And what exactly do you think you bring to the show? That's a very, very tough question. Um, I, I just, I'm the voice of the people. <laughs> the which uh, people? Just, which people? <laughs> had to, it had to be said. I didn't want to have to be the one to say it, but it had to be said. I'm the voice of the people. No, which, which people? Which people do you speak of? I don't want to get into specifics, all right? But the, the okay. people know. The okay. people know that I speak to them. Okay, okay. So you think people like you, yeah? I, I, um... Like, like you said, I'm on social media, so if they don't, I can't see the criticisms. So, oh, okay, okay, interesting. But you mentioned social media, so to do the test for the second week in a row, where can the audience express their opinions about you and about the shows? Where can they do that? Kick back. Yes. Underscore Nadem. Yes. Is the Twitter. Yes. Thing. Yes. The Twitter thing. At uh, kick at kickback. Yes. Um, oh, here we go. Underscore Nadem, because just in case you didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, case, sorry. At kickback underscore Nadem. Okay, on so it's the same on both. But just in oh, case, okay. yeah, just in I case you didn't know, because this is like your fourth or fifth uh, episode or whatever. Silence yeah. on a podcast doesn't work. Okay. Oh, that's my bad. Yeah. Yeah. People, that's on me. people think that maybe the podcast is cut off. Okay. So you try and speak as much as possible. Okay. Okay, because because I'm the voice of the people. At that particular moment, the people were, were quiet. That's what was happening. Uh, so, was like, so you represent an anticipation. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Okay, so, so you know what the social media is, but how often do we post? Do you know that answer? Yeah, of course. I've not missed an episode. Yeah, but how often do we post oh, on social oh, media? You're not talking about the episodes. You're talking about on yeah, social media. Not yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, the answer is not very much. So, people, I need you to tell me what you want to see and how often you want to see it because we're so since Skylar left us, myself and Ryan have been very basic, and I apologize. But we we've got more in the locker. But just tell us what you need, okay? So, for now, anyway, you're rolling, okay? A reminder: subscribing to the podcast is completely free and it's very much encouraged, okay? Another reminder: there is a kickback playlist, and that can be found where. Um, as in, like, Wait, if, 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 what, okay, so you just do Spotify, yeah, that's it. Just type, just Spotify, and then it's just there. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Spotify. Yeah, that yeah. was a trick question. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious me! So, like always, <laughs> links to the kickback playlist can be found in the show notes. Yeah, if you're on Apple Music, the handle is at Chineds, C H I N E D S. That's for Apple Music. Yeah, you can find me on there and have a listen. Okay, another reminder. Also, in fact, let me let me rephrase that. This is a little known fact. But did you know you can send a voice message to us? Did you know that, Yudi? Oh, I did not know that. That is that's new information for me. Thank okay, you. Okay, cool. Well, it's not it's not new in terms of where it is, but that is a, it's a little known fact, but you can send us a voice message. And that link can be found where? 
Um, kickback underscore Naden. <laughs> it can be found in the show notes. Like oh, everything else, in the show notes, you'll find information about the the music, information about the guest, information about the artist, how to send voice notes. And who knows, if you send a voice note and it's a good voice note, maybe we'll play it out in a future week. Maybe, who knows, as long as it's not too R-rated. So why don't you try it out, yeah? Simple. Would you agree? Sounds good. Sweet. Okay, cool. Right. Well, anyway, it's time to try and win some money for a charity of your choice. And this week, that charity is... Alzheimer's Research UK. Okay, 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 okay. Let me just type Okay, Alzheimer's, okay, Research UK. All right. Well, hopefully you can win some money this week, but I don't fancy you this week, you know. That's fair. I don't back myself. So. Okay, cool. So everybody, you know the drill. It's three clues. You get to ask one question and you get one guess, okay? And to be fair, in recent weeks, you've been like the equivalent of like uh, Steph Curry in basketball. It's like you're shooting into the ocean. The guy can't miss. You've been flying. You've been flying. But now it's different. Yeah. <clears throat> so clue number one, he's played for four teams of which Hull and Nottingham Forest are part of it. Yeah. So four mm-hmm. teams. And I gave you two teams there. All right. He was in the squad. He was in the England squad for the 2010 World Cup. And he has four caps. Yeah. Okay. 2010 World Cup. And the third clue, in terms of things that he's won, he's won a League Cup and he's lifted the trophy of the, in the EFL playoff final for, to get to the Premier League. Yeah? All right, give me that last one again. Okay, so he's lifted up the League Cup, he's won the League Cup and he's won the championship playoff final as captain. As captain. As captain. You don't have a clue. You do not have a clue. It's a fact. You do not have a clue. I actually think I got this. Go on, then. Um, so I get one question. You get one question. How yeah. long, how rogue would it be if I didn't even use the question and I just went? Listen, sometimes people just like to... Sometimes, if you're feeling yourself, then you step forward. But just know if this is wrong, there are lots of people going to get on your case here. Michael Dawson. Oh my God, he's on fire. He's literally shooting into the ocean. How do you know this? How do you know this? Simple. That one's simple. Why? Because it's easy. Like, firstly, Captain, Holland Forest. There aren't that many players who play for Holland Forest, let's be honest. So, my goodness gracious. I can only think of two. And I didn't think it was Eric Lehigh. So I thought, I've got a pretty good chance with Michael Dawson. Do you know what? Do you know what? Credit to you. You're doing well. And you're making some money for for your people. So long may this street continue. So well done again. Now, please, everybody sit back as we head over to the East Midlands to speak with the legend that is Michael Dawson. Hey, check you out, mate. You're all set up. I am, mate. I am. I'm not new to this. I'm not new to this, pal. Uh, you are not new to I can tell when I touch base with you on a Wednesday morning <laughs> for this Sky Sports News. You're not new to this, mate. No, 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 no. I've, I've been doing this a little while. To be fair, I've been doing this for like, I think it's coming up to two years. So I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of used to it now. So yeah, it's, it's ah, good. Decent. It's fun. You, I think you learn a lot. Like you learn about the audience. You learn about like what it's supposed to sound like. And, you know, it's it's good. I think you should look into it. Good. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'd be too, but I, I'd be, I'd be boring, mate. No, 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 no. The guarantee, mate, you will not tell you that for a fact. Tell you that for yeah, a I fact. I like that, but... mate. I like it. Well, we'll have a go tonight. Won't we? yeah. We'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> so if everybody's listening, I guarantee you, he's not going to be boring. Yeah, he's going to step forward. He's going to entertain <laughs> everyone. 
Right. Are you ready to go? I know it's late now. I'm so. ready to go, mate. I'm ready to go. Kids right. are asleep. We're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, same, same, mate. Usually I'm in the studio, but this is a special occasion because it's for you. I'm going to do this I at like home. it, mate. Top, oh. man. Right. Okay. So let's begin then. You came through at Forest Academy, yeah? But you're a Yorkshireman because I was thinking, you know, maybe most people come from around that sort of area. So how is it then that you didn't end up at Leeds or somewhere that was closer? And how did you end up going down there? Do you know, it's strange, really. Need I've I've got two older brothers. I'm from a, a proper footballing family. My dad started at Manchester United till the age of sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, and broke his leg. And growing up in Yorkshire with two two older brothers, Andy and Kev, followed in their footsteps. Really, it was strange because Andy went to to Middlesbrough, went on trial, uh, and then he was going to go to to Leeds. And Nottingham Forest, a scout from Middlesbrough, spotted him playing in the Teesside League. So he ended up going to Nottingham Forest. At the age of 14, he signed mm-hmm. schoolboy forms. And from the age, so he's five years above me, from the age of nine and 10, me, like my middle brother, Kev, who's two and a half years, he was going down, I was going down. It was like a family thing. We were going down ah, training. And, okay. it, and that was like, so he got in and we sort of followed probably by more luck than, than good judgment, really. It was it was one of those really strange. And and then I went to, I think, Cambridge United. That was the only other club I ever went to and signed for, for Forest at 14. And everyone always asked me that question. How how did you miss out with Middlesbrough, Leeds? Mm. And it was all because of, of playing for North Allerton Town Juniors. Um, and basically the, the scout from Middlesbrough spotted us, sent, them, sent us to Nottingham Forest. And then the rest history, mate, it was one of them 16. We all left home at different different times and fulfilled our dreams. Right. Let's, let's, let me just ha- get a bit spicy to start with then. So of you and your brothers, who was actually the best player? Mate, if I told you this right, Andy, my oldest brother, went on to have a great career, promoted from every divisions with Hull City. Yeah. Um, played there for ten years. My middle brother, it's 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 really bad, you know, because I'd seen both sides of football. Obviously, he he went out the game at twenty three. Right. Okay. When I made my debut for Forest, it's bizarre because we were both centre halves. He'd been playing. I come along. I think it was it was one bank holiday Monday. Kev, you're not playing. Mike, you're playing. He's two and a half years younger than me. It was like, <laughs> so it was bizarre. It was like, look, really close as brothers, three brothers. But Nicky, my middle brother's position, who's two and a half years above me, it was it was one of them. Mum and dad were both down for the game just to probably watch Kev because it was a surprise that I was going to make my debut. And yeah. So, yeah, it was it was one of them that uh, was probably, it wasn't that awkward because we were very close. We ended up going to Harry Ramsons after the game. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Me, me and Kevin, mum and dad and I had played. And obviously Kev's, Kev's one of them that was really proud for me to get the opportunity 18. And he was sat on the bench. And then after that, it was hard because he sort of... Yeah, yeah um, he left the game essentially. Went went down went down the league and then went out. So, but look, that's, it, it's one of those. You know what it's like, it's a cutthroat business. Oh, you're not wrong. Your brother, your, your brother's... Uh, place it's it's one of those yeah for sure for sure and I want to know then so that academy is quite famed so I've seen lots of players have come through there yeah we're talking about Jermaine Genuses and people like that lots of players yourself included and so on but what is it do you think about the academy that makes it so productive I think for, when my year was there, I had Paul Hart who was a coach he was so hard on all the players and, and like you say there's players that have gone on to play in the Premier League from that football club also gone down the leagues and and it's not easy needs you know how hard it yeah, is to become yeah, a professional sure. footballer at any level mm-hmm. so Paul Hart he had, he had high standards he had demands and they were in the championship they've been in the championship un- unfortunately for 22 years I've followed them 
when they were in the Premier League from the age of nine as a fan mm. to then playing for them and then not getting there. So I think when you're good enough and you're in the Championship, you get the opportunity. Yeah. So I think it's one of those clubs that did produce youngsters and we're still producing them. They're still, you've got Alex Might and you've got Brennan Johnson who's on loan at, at Lincoln at the moment. But Gary Brazil, who's the academy director there at the moment, Andy Reid, who's obviously we both went to Spurs with, he's yeah. now the 23s manager, Gareth Holmes is the 18. So they keep producing, they've got a philosophy, they've got a, a way of producing them and it just keeps going because they have to. When you're at that, le when you're in the lower leagues, yeah. you haven't got the money just to keep buying them and buying them. And uh, look, we sold Cashy last year for 15 million or something like that to Aston Villa. So Joe Worrell's in the squad now. We've got Ryan Yates. Players that have come through now are the 24, 25 that have been there for long periods. Mm. So it's hard to say why is it not in a forest that keeps reducing them and then selling them. And that's because it keeps a flow of players going. It keeps a club running when you do sell players like Cashy for 15 million. You know, it's interesting because you said something which was going to be the next question I'd ask you, where it would be if they were at the highest level, do you think the academy would still have been producing so many players? Like, especially for these players to have actually played for the team as well. You know, they don't just come and go. They actually spend some time playing games, whether it's a season or 10. You know what I mean? Well, I, th I think you get the opportunity. If you're good enough, you will play. But I just think the amount of players that have gone through the ranks, I even go back to, so look, who was all, a little bit older than me, David Prutton. Yeah. He yeah. was one. And then it went to JJ. And then it went to myself and, and Reedy, who who went to the Premier League. And, and I've probably missed somebody. You've got Gareth Williams, who went to... to Leicester, you've got Marlon Harewood who was all, yeah, all part yeah. of the academy. I mean, the list probably will go on and a lot of other players went down the leagues as well so had good careers. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's... Would would you have got that opportunity? Maybe not. We'll never know. It, yeah, yeah, for it's sure, one yeah. of those. I think they'll, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. But when you are in the champ, you see it's a lot harder to break into the Premier League of, of course it is. And now, for you being a Forest guy then, can you please explain to me why they've not been in the Premier League since 98-99? Considering how big the club is and how well supported it is, how, like, it's gotten to the point where you don't even expect to see them any, there at all anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, well that's, that's the problem, the, the expectation. Um, it's, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy shirt to carry. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, when I played for Spurs, the expectation, you know, you've played for big yeah. clubs, you know, it's like, and no disrespect to Hull City when I went there. I felt though there was a big weight off my shoulders. I could go out and play the expectations yeah. of the size of the football club. And that's no disrespect to Hull City because they've had great periods, got into the Premier League for a, a smallish club. But when they've got the history of Nottingham Forest, that the fans still see them in European Cups, winning European Cups, it, it comes with a, with a price of play, pe playing for them. And they sort of still believe that this kind of, group of players should get into the Premier League and they've had chances we've had been yeah. in the playoffs even my first season we ended up in the playoffs and getting beat to Sheffield United and you're fine margin then you lose some players for financial reasons Yeah, we have another goal last year we missed out We even just to go at the playoffs mm -hmm. it's, it, it's getting so hard to to get promoted I, need, I can't answer that and I'm so sorry for all no, 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 those no. Spurs fans out uh, Forest fans out there because they're incredible. We get 30,000. Honestly, they are, they're incredible. But they have expectations. They're like every fan. If you're not performing, they get on you. Yeah. So you sure. have to be able to deal with that because the expect expectation and the bar is so high 
that's that's what that's what they expect because I've seen it in in I was going to say recent years, not for twenty two years. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but uh, to be fair though, reading between the lines there as well, you're basically saying the championship is one of the toughest leagues to get out get out of. You know, you kind of need things to go your way, and then even when you have a good season, you could lose out in the playoffs. When you think about the difference between you know that team, so when I was at QPR, like we went up in the playoffs against Derby, and we didn't deserve to win that game. The way we finished the season, we barely deserved to be in the playoffs. But we did it. We went up and then came back down and yo-yoed or whatever. But Derby haven't made it to the Premier League from that point. So it's, yeah. it's, those, it's those fine margins, isn't it? Because I would say they probably deserve to go up based on how they finished the season. Yet still, they were down there. And we got to spend, I think it was three, uh, another two years or whatever in the Premier League. It's bizarre you talk about the playoffs. And, and obviously, I had nine and a half amazing years at Spurs in the Premier League. I, I left and went to, to Hull, probably in my brother's shadows, having been an absolute legend there. He was, yeah. was always one of the, always one of those. So, And then in my first season, we got relegated and we had we had a great squad. And you're thinking, right, we kept the majority of the, the players, probably 95% of the players stayed and we're in the champ. You think, right, we get off to a good start, get to Christmas, we top. All of a sudden, we start having a dip at the wrong time. Mm. Burnley, I think we beat Burnley on Boxing Day 3-0. Yeah. They went for the, all the way to the end of the season, never lost the game, got promoted. We were in the playoffs. We scrambled into the playoffs. We played Derby twice and beat us, I think, 4-0 and 2-0. So there was 6-0 on aggregate. Yeah. Going to the going to the first leg, we beat them 3-0 in the first leg at Pride Park. Go back to uh, KC. We're 2-0 down after about 20 minutes <laughs> thinking, oh my word. We scrambled over the line, got to Wembley and we we beat Sheffield Wednesday quite comfortably in the final. But like you say there, the four Derby had beat us probably, what was it? 10-3 on aggregate over the three, yeah, four yeah. games. But yet we still won and we got promoted because it just happens. And we had a good group of players there at Spurs. You know some of them. Mm-hmm. Tom Tom Hood, Curtis, yeah. Jay. We had, we had senior pros that had been around a long time. And thankfully, we, we got to where we were. It was one of the best days in my career getting promoted. And look, playing for England, playing in the Champions League. But that... Lifting that trophy at Wembley, yeah, yeah, going like back to the Premier League where you think I'm going to get another opportunity. Yeah, you've earned it. Too. Yeah, yeah you've and, earned and it. I did, and we got relegated 12 months later. And like I said, it's your worst day of my career getting relegated. But your high to low. Yeah, it was uh, it was special getting promoted. You know that Premier League thing. So for me, I was I came through at City when they were in the Premier League. It weren't the best of teams, but I spent most of my time at City, not really worrying about relegation. We got to QPR, we stayed up, then we went down. It's the first time tasting the championship and I was probably late 20s. You realise how like difficult and whatever it is. But then as you're going up and we went up in the playoffs, as I say, that sense of earning the right to be back where you feel you belong after having played 46 games. And these weren't 46 games you'd want to see on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you fought your way out of that situation to get your chance to now appreciate the things which you had before. And it's not like you took it for granted. But when it's the league that you play in, it's like, yeah, we play Spurs this week, we play United this week, we play whatever. That's just it. That's just the system. You appreciate it, but it's like a norm. But when you get it taken away and you earn the right to go back up again, uh, that was a special day. But anyway, we've, we've spoken too long about that. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep it moving. <laughs> right. So the start of your career then, you've mentioned some Forest players who came in, some who were sold and so on. But what was the actual mentality of, say young Forest players coming into the first team was like yourself, was the ambition to stay and play for Forest or was it to try and play as high as possible considering the fact that they weren't in the Premier League at that time? No, I think it was my dream to play for Forest. Really? From, okay. from, the, from the age of nine, I had Brian Roy on the back of my shirt, number 22. Yeah. 
in the watching Pierre Van Oudonk, Stuart Pearce, like heroes that you watch in the Premier League. All you dream of doing is with being a professional football, wherever it is. Look, yeah. 16, you think, I'm going to leave home, try and be the best I can. And then at 18, it, it came really quick for me, really. Probably because Paul Hart was manager. Mm. And I look back and look how, how skinny I was. I'm thinking, how am I going to play against men? And when I look <laughs> at the pitch, I think, wow. So no, I never thought of that. But then I hit the ground running so quick. And you know, it's like young kids break onto the scene. The papers start, scouts start coming yeah. in, just 18 year old. And before you know it, then it, it, it's one of those. I was linked here, there and everywhere. And I ended up getting glandular fever at the end of my first season. Okay. So I had an unbelievable season. 36 games, I think. I was in, in the Skybet Championship Team of the Year, sent off in the semi-final. It was, everything had just happened in the space of 10 months. It was just, it was incredible. It was, it was a whirlwind. And it wasn't like you say, you get this, you open the paper on a Sunday morning, I'd go back to mum and dad's and it'd be like, link with Liverpool, link yeah. with these clubs. And it, I just kept my head down, worked. I had a manager in Paul Hart who was disciplined was wow yeah he, he was frightening he still he don't scare me so much now but yeah even when I was in the first team there he, he petrified you and that's just how it was back in then I think times have changed yeah so no I never thought about about moving and then obviously I had a couple of injury hit seasons glandular fear kept doing my hamstring and then I had a hernia operation I was I was going through the pedo where it was now am I gonna am I gonna miss out on my time in getting a move after I've had the best 10 yeah, months yeah, yeah. the next two years was a real real battle I wasn't playing great form I'd I played in the 21s and I felt as though I'd gone back a little bit. But then thankfully, it did. The dream came true and running out Anfield for Spurs in my debut at nah, the age bad. of 21, we'll, it, it we'll get much better. We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But <laughs> since you've mentioned how skinny you were back then, what do you reckon it was about your game that actually thrust you into the first team at that sort of age? I think Paul Hart, I speak about him all the time when I do anything. I think I like to get on the ball. I like to hit the die to the to the left back. Yeah. It was something that he he got that trait out of me from playing in the under eighteens. Yeah. We always had to take the ball, we always had to receive it. We had players like JJ in the midfield, we had Gareth Williams, we had Reedy on the left. Yeah. We signed Hooker uh, on loan. We signed Ricky Skimmick. We had some really good good young talent, but yeah. we had good senior players as well in Ricky Skimmick and Darren Ward. We had Jimmy Brennan who was at middle age, mm-hmm. senior head but a younger lad who went out and was like Great character to have a, have around, and I had an unbelievable senior head next to me in, in Des Walker, mm. which was I was so lucky. He helped me. I made mistakes. He always hearted, still be ripping my head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, he was ripping my head off. Uh, Half time in one game, he said, "I didn't know what. Don't listen to Dorsey. Don't know what day of the week is. So <laughs> never mind playing." I was like, I was like a little boy sat in the corner. I'd been told off at school. It was horrendous. And Des was just one of them that always helped, and I. Because he knew Hart, he was hard on me. Yeah. And the young lads, probably a little bit more than the senior lads. Yeah. So he, he, he always helped. So I was very fortunate. I had good people around me in the dressing room as well as uh, as well as well a managerial side that's, that probably has, has had to change over, over the time I've been in the game. Yeah, I get that. So the Spurs move then, did you know it was coming or did it basically just come out of the blue and you had to make a decision? No, I always used to joke to everyone. You bought Reedy and you got me free. We went, as a, <laughs> we, went, we, went, we went as a parent and it was strange because I'd, I had a stress fracture in my shin at the time. Yeah. So we had, the, we had the medical and obviously I didn't play for about four months. And, and I always say to players, when I have had my injuries, it's an opportunity for someone else to take it and say, yeah. don't look back. Yeah. And that's what happened. We, I think there was six or seven games left towards the end of the season. There must have been about four centre-halves injured. And I remember Martin Yol saying... Are you ready to play? 
It's like, well, I best be if we're going to Anfield <laughs> and playing against Suarez and Sturridge, I think it was up front at the time, or so like it's just incredible. And we drew to all, I got man of the match, and I think then he went, Oh, this kid can actually play a little bit. He's we've, we've right. not just signed it for the champ and he's he's got his opportunity. And I played five or six games towards the end of that season, and then the next season was it was probably in the top two uh, best scenes I had in Spurs, believe it or not. I played like five, uh, 50, 50 odd games, I think we were in Europa League. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just, just, just amazing did, how it went did, so quick. When you went to Spurs then, was it the Spurs, was it Spurs the club that signed you or Martin Yall, the manager that signed you? I, b- I believed it was Frank Arneson. Right. Frank Arneson was a uh, technical director at the time. Um, and like I said, young talent that's in the championship I'd played nearly 100 games by the time I was 21 yeah. so it was like scouts you know scouts to look around the scouts to look around which player's doing well in the champ who can we go he's quite young sent half I still I look at 22 year old now and they say like we spoke about John Stones didn't we yeah, still yeah. 27 played yeah. loads of game going into the peak of his career 21 you're still a baby I believe yeah. walking into that dressing room with superstars um so I believed it was Frank Arneson, but I always say to the lads who, who break on to see now, when you have an opportunity to train with the first team, yeah. go and show the manager and the rest of the players how good you are. Yeah. And that's what I did. I, I, I put my body on, body on the line in training. I took the ball and just like, that was my trial basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and because it's easy to go out there when, you, when you're 30, you can't probably train 30 plus. You can't train with those in, same intensities you can when you're 21. Yeah. And I got my opportunities, I still believe, by the way I trained. Yeah, and when you went there then, what were your expectations? Because I'm sure their expectations of you were that, you know, you were going to be a long-term signing. You were going to get into the team at some point. But what were your feelings considering you'd already played 100 games before you even went there? Well, I was thinking, would I be going back out? Would I be going on loan? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can <laughs> believe that. I'd never been on loan at Forest. There was talk of me going, then I broke into the first team. Would I be going here when there was, I'm trying to think, Ledley King, uh, Nabet, Anthony Garner, um, I'm trying to think. There was so many, and I think there was four injuries that gave me a chance to play alongside Ledley right. King. And I remember watching Nabet and Ledley in my first game against Portsmouth. I watched Ledley. I was thinking, wow, he's the best centre-back I've ever seen live. He yeah. was absolutely incredible. And I was sat there in the director's box thinking, how am I ever going to play? I've moved to this club. I'm never going to play. I'm never going to play a Premier League game for this club. It was just like, wow, an absolute eye-opener. But, Thankfully, uh, I did. I went went on to do all right. Yeah, just just over three hundred games for the club. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not too bad. Nine and a half seasons. What <laughs> I want to know, um, I want to know about Ludley King because people don't really speak about him too much now outside of say Spurs fans, and people always just say you know he's exceptional and so on. But what was it, given the fact that you've actually seen him on a day to day basis, that made him so good? And it still breaks me that he had to retire at thirty two, yeah. and he he's like the song is. Oh, Ledley, Ledley, he's only got one knee. He's, honestly, he's an absolute legend and he, he's another one I was lucky to... I don't believe I would have had the Spurs career had I not had him beside me okay. for, for, so, for so many years. He was, he was unbelievable and, and someone that I hadn't really took much notice of, I'll be honest, before I walked into the football club. Yeah. And he was so calm. You talk about vocal captains. He was pretty quiet. Yeah. But his performances just led by example. That's yes. why he was captain. Not because what he did off the field, yeah. not what he, he did in the dressing room, because you had other people who would do that. And that's what I always say about every player is different. But when he played, 
we were just a different team. He seemed to bring calmness, his speed, his when he was on the ball. And his first five years when I was there, he was he was incredible. He yeah. was absolutely I've never seen anything like it. Rolls Royce. Towards the end of it, he was playing with he wasn't training. Yeah. He would come out on a Thursday and it was like I I was sad for him. Like it was yeah. heartbreaking to see someone at thirty two go out the game who was so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was he was he had, he had everything. He was could pass a ball short, he could pass it long, he was strong. He just went about his business so calmly, and mm. that's how he, he was off it. Like I say, he wasn't a real ranter and raver. He was just he, he was a leader, and all we all we all followed him really just by the way he, he performed. You know, that's that's such a big point because ranters and ravers, or whatever, they do have their place, and some people respond very well to them. But and myself and lots of others, even though you respond well to, you can respond to a rant and raver. I think you respond really well to somebody who sets the example when somebody doesn't like. Um, you know they don't they don't worry or anything like that you, you're anxious did it are they okay did it feel this am i going to be under pressure oh no i've made a mistake this person's going to be on my back and when you have people as i say who do lead by example it sets the tone and it makes you want to be like them because if you had 11 players on the field ranting and raving it looked it looked nuts but when you see somebody that's cool calm and collected doing the job exceptionally well you want to be that and if you had 11 of those then you're in a good team you know what i mean yeah, hundred percent. And and every I always say every captain, every captain is different. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He, say for example, John Terry, unbelievable captain. Yeah, unbelievable. Off the field, on the field, his performance. He was your all round. He would he would take you out. Robbie Keane, for example, the first day I went there, I walked in. I'm thinking, superstar. Robbie took me out for food. Yeah, that's probably, like yeah. just just little things like that there, and I still speak to Robbie now because these these things you remember on your way up, you remember on your way back down, you remember where people people were. Yeah, and he he always like took me under wing. I never met Robbie before. Yeah, um, people who go that extra mile to take you out and make you feel welcome, a championship player who you walk in and think is anyone actually going to know me? Yeah, but these people that go out the out the way to make that make it a comfortable place goes uh, a long way, and and I try and do that. I try and pass that that on to, to young kids like I say everyone is everyone is different some, yes. some like to go for a beer yes. things have changed now and like you say Ranton and Raver I believe that's gone out of the game now because the modern day players in my opinion don't react to that yeah. coaches can't coaches can't be the way they were with Harty I, I feel like crumbling many a time under Harty and yeah. that wasn't just in the first team that was in the youth team Times have changed and we have to move on with that. Yeah, for sure. And so the club's ambitions then, when you were for, basically for the duration, at the start of every season, because, you know, people from the outside can talk about Spurs however they want, but what is the mentality in there? Is it a case of we want to win something, we want to get to the Champions League, we think we can win the league? Like, what, what is the mentality? Well, I think it was my my first full season after I've been there for uh, since January. My first full year where I played all the games, we ended up, I think it, I'm trying to think if it was a Lasagna gate or whether it was a, a, another one where we, we ended up in Europe. So every year, I think in my nine years, we pretty much finished in either Champions League or the Europa League. Yeah. And the, and the club just kept going on and on. And Spurs haven't won a, a trophy since 2008. It just it baffles me with yeah. a crop of playing. It just every year since I've gone, it's just got better and better and better and better. And I look at the squad and think, how is that possible? Yeah, it 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 gets so. I think Daniel Levy, the owner or the chairman, and, and Joe Lewis, they they'll they'll have sat down and gone. We've brought Jose Mourinho in now. 
we'll win a trophy. And I'm still convinced they are. I know it's Man City needing the yeah, league. Anything's possible. Europa League coming up before yeah. the start of each season. Champions League is is massive, especially now they've gone to the new stadium, they've got the new training ground that cost millions and millions. So funds need to be brought in. Yeah. And that is a Champions League. You travel and what have you. But I think winning a trophy every year, I say now they have to start winning regular trophies. It should be. It's been way too long since 2008 to uh, to have won something. Yes, I've had the Champions League final and losing to Liverpool. But the Neely team... We, They've got, to, they've got to start winning things. That's so interesting. So they have the ambitions of winning trophies and that's fair enough based on the talent that they have. Like no one would look at them and say that's out of your realm. You've got one of those, you've got a striker who's probably going to beat Alan Shearer's goal record in the Premier League accompanied by, you know, sensations in like Son and Bale and so on, just to name but a few with a manager that has won things. But obviously that's referring to right now, but in the time since they last won a trophy when you were there, like why haven't they matched those expectations, do you think? I think it's hard to win win anything, yeah. Uh, and that's why I take it off to my hat off to Manchester City, who win things year after year after year. And that's why I've never knocked Jose Mourinho because wherever he has, when it be a League Cup, yeah, Europa League, Manchester United, he, he wins Europa League at Manchester United. You think Manchester United winning the Champions League? Going back to Spurs, it's a good question, and, and I wish I could answer it. Yeah. It, 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 it's like the, we nearly get there. They nearly win something. And I just hope this year, Man City, look, the form they're in. Can this be the year that, look, they've had cup finals against Chelsea, they've had, they've yeah. had semi-finals. It's like, they get that close, but they just can't get over the line to, to lift that trophy. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Obviously, I won't be supporting mm. them in the final, but, you know, maybe after that, maybe they can win Europa League. I've got no issues with that. <laughs> no need. We said this about Manchester United and Man City last week. I've watched Manchester United and then turn up against City and we're absolutely exceptional. So yeah. anything's possible. Anything is possible in football. Yeah, just so just so everyone can hear on record, when we spoke about City United and so on, I at no point did I say City were locked <laughs> to win that game. And I said it for a it reason. It was more me, Need. It was exactly. more me and that because I'd watched I no, I hadn't actually watched at the time I was speaking to you on a Wednesday morning and I went and watched Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Yeah. And Manchester United put a performance in that I was so, so surprised. Something I'm not not expecting. It was like they had one eye on Manchester City yeah. and I was after. I was like, well, if they turn up against City like this, it's gonna be a long yeah. afternoon. But Guess it, what? They didn't and they exactly, go and win. Exactly. But that's Derby's for you. And speaking of Derby's then. Speaking of derbies, I want to know a bit more about the North London rivalry. Like, for the two fan bases right now, and obviously time's gone by, it was different. But for the two fan bases right now where they're both not necessarily primed to be winning trophies, would you say the two games they play against each other are more important than league position to the fans? This derby was massive. Everyone thinks their derby's the biggest, but when I was in London, it was like, Early on in my Spurs career, we really struggled against Arsenal. Yeah. They had the upper hand. Yeah. Towards the end of it, it was one of them. You could walk around your local areas. You walked, stood up with your chest puffed out. And it was like, yeah, we, we've took over the North London now. It yeah. was one of them. Now, it's massive for the fans. Every derby is massive. We know that. But North London one is like bragging rights going to work. Not that anyone's going to work at the yeah, moment, exactly, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's rights one of too. them. But league position... It's a tough one. If you said to Spurs, look, you're gonna finish fourth and, and lose on Sunday, I'm sure that I'm sure they'd take that. I'm sorry to the Spurs fans, but look, Champions League football for that football club is is so vital. Yeah. I know what it means 
I've played in them and I've had some heartbreaks and sometimes when I haven't been going out the house for a week, that's mm. that's uh, that's what it's like, Need. You know what it's like playing yeah. in, in derbies. It's it, it's hard. Uh, but put the record straight. I think Spurs will win on Sunday anyway. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, so again, since we're talking derbies, so you've, all, you've obviously been a part of the Forest versus Derby County one as well. And there have been a few incidents in that in years gone by. Like I, I wanted to ask you about your specific memory or some of your best memories from it. But instead, Instead, I'd like you to be able to say which one is easier to play in. It's, it's, it's a tough question. Like I say, every derby is, every fan thinks their derby is massive. And when I was 18, I was living in the city centre of Nottingham. And when we won, like I said, I'd go out. And if I, if we lost, just stay indoors. And my first, first derby, I think we won 3 0 at the city ground. It was incredible. I think in my second year, we went there and Barry Roach, the goalkeeper, we had a coffee, coffee cup incident. We were going through a bad vein of form. It was windy. I think Wes Morgan passed the ball back to Roach. It hit a coffee cup, flew up, come off his shin, cleared it to Pesca Scolado. And I think the coffee cup was in the trophy cabinet. And it was one of those, <laughs> honestly, neat. we were on that bus on the way back and you're thinking, could cry. We got beat three or four. It was yeah. Losing like that is absolutely humiliating. So I didn't play in too many since I've come back. We've been, we've we've had we've had the upper edge uh, on derby in in recent years. So any derby is is big. I can't I, I can't say that because if I say if I say the Spurs Spurs won, the Forest fans are going to kill me. If yeah, I say yeah. the Forest won, know, the Spurs fans are going to kill. Like I've said, Nate, I believe any any derby as a fan, you think your derby is the biggest, and and playing in it. If you're living in that area and you lose, you ain't going out. It's yeah, as simple as that. Yeah, that's facts. Well, you say that, but I think that some of that now is because you're more of like an old school style thinker. You're a bit like me because when I was younger playing in Manchester derbies and so on, and even when I was alone at Sunderland, the same thing mattered to me. If we lost the derby, I'm staying indoors because the consequence felt so great. But I think some of the younger generation now, I think they're getting better at being able to brush certain things on, off and just move on. That's what it feels like, especially because like they're in the social media and stuff like that. You know, so there's a lot of stuff for them to brush off just in their daily lives anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to what yeah. it's like. You Comple- the- completely agree. Yeah. But I just think it was for your own safety. If you went out and you'd lost. <laughs> I'm going to fact. Tesco to do my shopping. The missus was like, just get that and I ain't going yeah. to Tesco. There's no chance to let you go. Look. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So as I said before, anyway, <laughs> you ended up playing over 300 games for them. And did you know you're actually top 10 in the all-time appearance, all-time Premier League appearances for Spurs? Did you know that? I didn't know I was in the top 10. No, I knew, I knew I'd played quite a few and I was uh, I was up there but no that's a that's a real honour with the absolute legends that have played for that oh, football club listen, so yes. um, I'm sure that'll that'll get broke you look at the players there at the moment like you've got Hugo you've got Harry yeah uh, I'm sure them two must be must be in there now as well but I think Hugo is either second or third and Harry's actually joined I think he's 11th so he's coming for you so I'll be going for 11. I'll be going. I'll be going out. But <laughs> even then, need I look. Look, I was always honoured to play for Spurs to to have the career at 37. I've had, and when I won, I won the uh, the Player of the Year award in 2010, and it was under Harry one of the best years. And I got the trophy. And I was looking. There was like Jurgen Klinsmann, Teddy Sheringham, Bobby <laughs> Harry Kane, and they'll go back to 2007 and say Michael Dawson. Who the hell did he win that? <laughs> so no, so I'm among some amazing, amazing names on there, and very honoured, mate. Very honoured. Okay, then. So let me let me add a little bit of um, nuance to that. Then, 
So I said you're in the top 10 for most appearances in the Premier League for Tottenham Hotspur. You were somebody who is on the player of the year thing. And that year you would have beat out a lot of very, very top quality players. Yeah. So do you think your legacy amongst fans and people who remember that time for Spurs, it matches the history that you actually have there when you look at it objectively, that you are in the top 10, you are player of the year. People think of those things when they see you now, do you reckon? Um, I'm not too sure. I think they'll they'll probably think of Ledley King and me playing alongside him. Um, yeah, I think that'll that's probably and an, and I like I say, you talked about 2010 Berbatov, Robbie Keane, mm. the players that have been there. I think Luka Modric would he have still been there in 2000? I think you think he might have been. Um, but some of those players, yeah, it was. It's, it was just incredible. Um, so I, I don't know, Need You'll have to ask some that, of the, listen, that was the Spurs a, fans. I, I purposely asked you a very tough question there. A very, very <laughs> tough question. Because like the way that I see it, like when I was doing all my research and stuff to know the specifics of you, those are really, really impressive stats. And to not blow smoke up you, whatever, like they're stats of a legend for a football club. To get to within half a year of being able to be offered a testimonial for any football club, is especially at the highest level, like how many time, how many players have we seen that from in in during our careers? It's very very few, and this is a real top club. So sometimes I'd like people to get the credit that they, that they deserve, but I think unfortunately sometimes they maybe don't. And I don't want you to jump in and say you yeah, deserve yeah, no, credit. Yeah, but, no, I think look, and in in hindsight, when I did leave, I, everything came in and. You can always look back in football and go, it was the wrong decision to leave. I had two years left. Yeah. But me, I'm one of them. And look, like I've said, I've been fortunate to play till 37. Yeah. If I'd have stayed for another two years and not played, would I have got to where I am today? Yeah. So it, it, it's all ifs and buts. I made that decision because I'd gone through a period in with AVB where he walked in the door and was trying to get me out straight away. Yeah. I was nearly gone. They'd accepted a bid and it wasn't the right time. Come November. And this is what stands... When I tell young kids, people will write you off before they've come through the door. Yeah. November, I was back in the team. By the end of that season, I got a new contract. Yeah. And I thought, I can't go through that again at the age of 30, not playing for three months. It was the hardest time yeah. in my career. So I made that decision. Uh, and you've got to live and die by your decisions, whether it was right or wrong. And I went on to play 120-odd games for, for Hull and, and lifted a trophy. So you, you make decisions whether it was the right one and and you've got to live by them. Okay, so that Spurs team then, before you move on to something else, which um, which year do you think you had the best team or squad? Probably probably the Champions League team, I'm thinking, when we when we got to the quarters. Okay. Went out to Real Madrid in, in the Bernabeu. Um, I just think Gaz Bale, Modric, yeah. Grouchy... We had Woody, we had Ledley. Um, just, I mean, Gaz. People always say he was the best player you've ever played against. You probably have that on the list, uh, played with, and I'm like, probably Gaz because he at that moment in time he was like playing men against boys. He yeah. would run past people like he was playing in the park, like you did as yeah, as yeah. kids when you when you're better than everyone. That was Gaz. It was it was frightening, and he'd win your games out of nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just incredible. But you talk about Luca. You talk about Aaron Lennon, another one who was there for, for many yeah, years. He's proper, yeah. Uh we we had a great group, Carl Walker coming in, Danny Rose on the left, Ben Wares Cotto. 
Robbo in goal and then Hugo come in. Look, there's so many, so many players that came in and I saw off as well as uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like managers as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, it's interesting though, because I'm, I asked you that question for a reason. It's a two-parter. So that Spurs team there is an exceptional team. But how did you finish in the league that season? All these years are rolling into yeah, one Yeah, I know. It's, it's a tricky one. What, was that the year? I'm trying to think. We finished fourth. And the, what year did Chelsea win the Champions League? Because Chelsea went on to... We were in the, were in the Champions League playoff. They, they won the Champions League and knocked us off fourth. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think. I didn't play many games that year because I was, I was injured. That was after 2010, I think. Chelsea won it 2012. 2012, yeah. So probably 2012 we were finished fourth. Um, 2010. I'm not too sure where we finished. Okay, we would we would have been in the top six because we every year I don't think we finished out the top six. It might have been Champions League. So then that's that's the question really. Then with the squad that you have, did you in that time actually underachieve? Did we underachieve when you're going against Manchester United? Mm. Um, who who probably in in that era. Manchester City were just just on the uh, come on just really. just yeah I think we we beat Manchester City to finish in the Champions League I think that was for the first time under Harry yeah I'm just trying to think you know, Chelsea Chelsea with the John Terry's Drogba's Lampard's did we underachieve I, I don't know how we can say we did underachieve when you look around at Manchester United Rooney yeah. Van Nistelrooy Rio Vidic those kind of players mm-hmm. and then Man City breaking in. I would probably say we maybe overachieved. I know you've talked about them world class that have gone on to yeah. your Bills, Modric, but then I'd probably go. You look at other younger players that have gone on, but were we were they at the potential where Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, two yeah. of the best fullbacks yeah, yeah. in the world at the, when they were as a pairing at Spurs? So no, I wouldn't say we underachieved. I thought we. we it's I'm tough. Say, I, I, you've got me. You've got me. I'm, I'm all ends up here. I don't know where I'm going. We finished fourth, so someone must have finished there. But no, I don't believe I did because you look at Chelsea and you look at Manchester United at them periods. They were they're tough, and I haven't even talked about Christian Eriksen in that yeah. period where we. So it's it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's uh, because it's you, and I know you do very well in terms of answering questions. I'm asking you tough questions because that type of concept there. It's a tough one to get your head around because as you think it through, you will have arguments on both sides because you had an exceptional team, but there were other teams as well. But the other teams probably looking at your team saying that's an exceptional team. So would they say they overachieved by doing better than you? Or you know what I mean? Like it's something to think about. Well, I'll be thinking about it tonight when I go off here and I'll go and look at what year it was. Yeah, exactly, year exactly. Like... Do you know? For... No, I, don't, I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe we. Uh... We underachieved. I, I really don't look. The, the gone signed Gareth Bale from Southampton. Yes, he's he's gone on to be one of the best players in the world, or he was a few years ago. Yeah. Luca, the signing from Zagreb. What what they've gone and found players and and got into at that period, the the players were still developing. So it looks better That's in hindsight. I, I, I think it looks better. I, I would say that yes. Okay. And Ledley King as well in his peak had probably never been in the Champions League where you look at the Manchester United, that, that football club had been there for years and years. So, mm-hmm. no, we, we sort of were striving to be in there regular and we we broke that and we got in there. So, no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I remember I was on the bench when, um, I think it's Pete Crouch scored uh, at the Etihad yeah. to take us into Champions League, fuming off that. I'm just, <laughs> just about getting over it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll not talk about that too much, yeah. Um, 
Okay. So, again, it was a loaded question. To be fair, I don't know how many Spurs fans are listening right now, but looking back in terms of Premier League history, I think the one that that should sting the most, in my opinion, is the year when Leicester won the Premier League because Spurs were the next in. And in that moment there, if a team like Leicester, who worked hard and deserved it because they were the most consistent throughout the year, managed to do it, you ask yourself the question, why couldn't Spurs do that in a year when everybody else was down? You know, that's a... Yeah. Great, great question, Need, and, and I'm I was I'm one of them. Look, my nephews are all Spurs fans. Kids are like little boys, Spurs fan. Because of that era when Posh came in, it was like right, they're going to the next level. Yes, and his first year, he was getting his feet under the table. He was seeing what plays he had, and then the next year they went, and you think. 2016, they were chasing Leicester all the way, yeah. and you kept thinking Leicester, they've, they've got to, they've got to blow up. They've got to. They just kept going and going. Yeah. And I remember the game. I think it was Spurs Newcastle. Now that was the last game. It was Chelsea. Chelsea, where the, yeah. When, um, was, when Hazard scored went his off. first goal, Hazard, and, Hazard scored his first goal this season against them. Do you remember? It was so late in the I season. I remember. Yeah. Remember it, yeah, and it was just like, why, why could this was the opportunity? Everyone kept saying this is going to be the best opportunity to win it, best opportunity, and I thought it was going to be this year as well. I'll be saying, yeah. I went to the Arsenal game, I did some work for Spurs, and I was like, Spurs, Arsenal, they were exceptional that day. Defended really well. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to the lads after. I said, this is your year. I really believed it with opportunity. City weren't playing well at the time, yeah, yeah. and you think. And then all of a sudden we have a, we have a down again. I'm thinking, why why is this when Leicester can go and do it? Leicester can do it. Why can't Spurs just have this one year where they can win win the league? And I think it's getting tougher and tougher again because I believe Man City are going further and further away. Yeah. Liverpool were. Yeah. And I still think they'll come back next year when Van Dyke comes back. Mm-hmm. Manchester United have, I believe, are just. Yeah, getting in that, verge, yeah. that groove again and need a little bit more consistency. Chelsea, I think, under uh, Thomas Tuchel, I think. And then you go Spurs, we've got to chase them. We've got to chase that pack. And with Jose and the players, you've got to keep striving to, to chase them. Right, so bringing it back to you then. This this seems might seem like a daft question to people listening, but I think there's a, there's a, a bit of a conversation to be had about this. When you went to Spurs then and throughout your time there, what helped you more as a player, do you think? the people who you are now training with on a day-to-day basis or the games and people you play against on a week-to-week basis? Probably the games. You reckon? The games, you just had to, I just like, I mean, look, training against Robbie Keane every day, Jermaine Defoe, unbelievable. Jermaine was just like, he scored and he had this knack of shooting through your legs. Yeah, sent, sent me insane every <laughs> single day. I was like, he scuffed that, but it's not Wayne Rooney used to do the same. It's, yep. it's an art. It's how good they are. So I know I say about playing because you have to be switched on. I remember my first game against Van Nistelrooy and it was like, wow, these players. Yeah, my first yeah. year, I just seemed to take it to the next level with excitement. I didn't play with any pressure. I didn't play with any fear. Mm-hmm. I was more excited to be going to Old Trafford, going to the Etihad, going to Stamford Bridge, going to these these big grounds and thinking, wow, I'm here. I'm playing against these world-class players. Yeah. And then it was down the line that then you become, because like you've got the expectations, you've now hit the ground running, everyone expects you to, to f- perform. So I think playing against week in, week out and having the concentration and the mentality, but then playing against Jermaine Crouchy, diff- different yeah. different players and different kinds of, Van der Vaart. I mean, the list just keeps going on. They just keep going around my head, the players and the, that I've missed out. Just incredible, and you had to keep your standards going, and you, you made mistakes, and you keep improving. What could I have done better? 
Uh, and I wish I'd probably been a little bit more relaxed mm-hmm. in my early days, which I am now, but that's just how I was as a, as a person. I'd, I'd done to strive and be better, always wanted to be better and put major pressure on myself. Okay. So you say, you've mentioned before how you went to Hull and at this point now, you've spent nearly 10 years at Spurs, a team that's basically designed to be in the top six of the Premier League. But now you're going to a team who you'd probably associate more with the bottom six. And you said, you know, there was a weight off your shoulders as such because the expectation was a little bit different. But, like, how did you actually adjust in terms of being the underdog pretty much 90% of the time, depending on who you were playing against? How did you find that? Hard. Hard. I was, my wife was pregnant at the time. She was about to give birth uh, in, in, in October. And so you think, I'm moving north. All these things play, play yeah. a part near, near a family. I wasn't looking to leave Spurs, but it was the bid was accepted. Steve Bruce was was hounded me, never left me yeah, alone. Yeah, good Bull for City that. Stayed up, yeah. Stayed up the season before and had a really good season. Signed Tom Huddleston, signed Jake Livermore, signed Jelovic, signed Shane Long, signed players. I thought Hull City are having a real go here. They've yeah. stayed up last year. Come in, signing myself, signing one or two other players. I'm thinking we've got a real opportunity to start building things. You looked at the Stoke mm-hmm. and thinking they might have long periods in the Premier League. How wrong I was. <laughs> Twelve months later, yeah, it was it, it was relegation. So it was that was a really really hard hard time where you you've gone there and like you say having the comfort of failure. Then was finishing seventh. Yeah. All right, we go back the next season. You're not going to get relegated and playing in the championship. I never realised that for ten years. Yeah. And then when I went there and then got relegation, went there. Maybe it would have been nice to be uh, playing at Spurs, pushing yeah. six and you, what have you. You know, to have a little rant in terms of, say, I'm going to say media in general here, but for the years when I was playing, I would find a lot of the people who would commentate and just basically talk about teams caught in a relegation dogfight, people who'd never been down there at all. So some of the stuff that they say, like it's their platform and they've earned the right to be there, but it's not necessarily a true story because down there, I like before I went to QPR, I didn't understand why people celebrated finishing 17th. And then I finished 17th on the last day. And it was one of the most memorable days of my career. And it sounds nuts, but the pressure on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis where you're essentially being written off and you are the underdog consistently, like being the underdog consistently and for a reason is a tough spot to be in. Everything's against you. Can you do it? Can you find goals? Can you not concede? Do you think you're going to be able to beat this team? Now you have to beat this team, not to finish fourth, but to stay in the league so that people keep their jobs, so that you keep your salaries, all that stuff. You know what I mean? And like, hundred percent. That always it didn't. That's kind of, I suppose it kind of frustrated me that you know the narrative is out there, but you know there are more stories to be told than the stories of people who are having disappointing seasons because they didn't win the league. You know what I mean? Like, and I played. I played some really good football at Hull City. It was it was one of them where I think. I scored a few goals, I played well, and yet we still get relegated. And, and like you say, it was that first year was my work. I was I was in tears. I was like, you're 31 years old, you got but you've been relegated. Like you say, the club had bought me. You feel like you've let everyone yeah. down that like you say, staff are getting sacked, people are going down, your salaries are changing, you're thinking, Wow, you've got the the world on your shoulder. Finishing seventh is a failure at Spurs. Yeah. That 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 ain't a failure. This is like and Harry always used to say, lads, what dressing room? You think it's pressure in this is dressing room? That team's getting relegated next week if we beat them. 
That was and yeah. you, you don't think of that. You think yeah. Yeah, I've got a performer, you've got crowds, yeah. you've got to win. That's that's like that's the expectations. Whereas when you see when people are going to be losing the jobs of staff behind the scene, and then twelve months later we get promoted. Twelve twelve yeah. months later again we got relegated, and towards the end I wasn't playing. We'd made changes. I was like a cheerleader because it mattered more as a group. Yes. To stay up. For yes. People keeping the jobs, your salaries, yeah. all, all these all these things came in. It felt as though we were all in it together, maybe more than you were if we were going to finish seventh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for like sure, yeah. The, 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 and like you say, unless you've been in a relegation battle, you see, I remember West Brom and Ricky Skimmick has just come to my mind. He was in his suit and he's staying up at West Brom celebrating when uh, Kieran Richards scored, I think, yeah, at the time. Right, yeah. And like you say, unless you've been in them situations, you don't realise, why are they celebrating so much? It's the whole city, what it means yeah. to the football club yeah. and individuals as well. Yeah, we're sure. all going to benefit if you're in the Premier League to, to not. Yeah, for sure. So before any, anyway, before I ask about going back to your boyhood club, um, I want to hear your opinion in terms of what the differences are between, say, successful teams like a Spurs as opposed to teams like a Hull, um, who, you know, essentially struggle to win games and to stay at the highest level. Would you say the biggest thing is talent or do you think there's more to it? I think there's both. And I found that hard. Need When, when I went there, we, we went to... Newcastle 2 up, we drew 2 all. People say, oh, it's a good point. And I found this really hard because if, if we'd have been 2 up at Spurs and went to Newcastle and drew 2 all, we'd have been getting criticised. Yeah. And so I found when we went to Arsenal, we drew up Man City, James Milner scored a 90th minute free kick. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, and I'm like so angry that we've lost. I'm like, these points are going away from us. Yeah. It's not acceptable to lose. Whereas I think when you get to a lower, league, a lower team in the, that league, and you do well at a so-called big team, but then you go and lose. You might have played in the one at Sunderland where literally it sent us down. Mm. It becomes to a point where you're playing a team that's on level pegging with you, and it's like a 12-pointer. Yeah. If we lose, we're lower than yeah. Snake's Belly, and if we win, we're higher. You go to somewhere like Manchester United, and we did really well against the big teams, mm-hmm. either drawing, and it was like, oh, we've won. Well, we've only got one point. You're best losing to them and beating the teams in and around us. So yeah. I found that hard that, saying well done when you drew or you only lost 2-0 or 2-1, I found that really hard in my first year to, to bite my lip. You know, um, for American listeners now, when I was in the MLS, I think that was something that frustrated me quite a bit because there's a bit of a split. I think there are lots of people that get it and the game kind of means everything to them. But then there are other people who can just brush off things which are essentially quite disappointing. Like in my last year, we didn't make the playoffs. But within our dressing room, on a particular game, which meant that we didn't make it. Like there were high fives and stuff going around. But for me, I saw that as a failure, especially because the year before we, we made it into the playoffs and we went two games in, like this was our year to do better. And now we failed, but it didn't see it. But within five minutes of the game being done, it didn't matter to certain people. And don't get me wrong. Like everybody's different. People can move on from stuff, but like the mentality just didn't feel right. I was really, I was devastated. I was crushed. It was one of many yeah. days in my career where my head's in my hands. I'm thinking, what have we just done there? Like, this is a disaster. And obviously it's football, but, yeah. you know, this is your profession. And I think at times for some people, like, it's easy because they're getting paid and think that they're doing well and whatever. But from, from your experience and from mine, when you see what it's like at the highest level, you kind of understand, like, some of the people who have talent, they're missing the edge that will allow them to be able to play at the highest level because they're ruthless up there. 
the consistency in terms of their ability and their performance and their preparation. They, like they're not just up there by chance. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, like you say, their sacrifices. I think is a big key. Yeah. And I just love Harry Kane. He, yeah. he is. He's he's got his blinkers on, and and he was like that since he was a young kid with me. He used to stay out on practice training. And I always say, I keep going back to, I always say to young kids, never regret at the end of your career. Because you're in a very fortunate position to wherever you may go. Some will be lucky enough to play in the Premier League. Some will play in the in the National League. Some will go abroad. Yeah. But I have no regrets and don't say, oh, if this, if that. You're in charge of your own destiny. And if, if, you, if you give everything and it's not good enough, you can hold your hands up. Yeah. But when people say, oh, I should have done this. And that's why Harry Kane is my idol. Because he's so... Yeah single-minded, focused, and that's why he's one of the best. And he is the best number nine, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm not really going to argue with that, to be honest. So at age 37, then, I think it's a fair question to ask, what is the plan after you eventually decide to hang up your boots? So what is it for you? Well, look, I've been, I've been at Forest now. This will be my first, third year back. Uh, it's, been, it's been a tough year, training, uh, not really being involved. We had uh, training every day. We will see what next year brings. Look, I, like I said earlier, I've been very thankful of the career I've had and all the opportunities I've had because it hasn't always been easy. You've had injuries, you've had yeah. performances where you haven't played well and you've had to deal with them. But you do, you come back and look, I enjoy talking to people like you need yeah. the, the, the media work. I'm, I'm doing my A license and we'll see what opportunities come along uh, in the summer, Yeah, whether that be playing or whether it be. You, you get to an age where you know, look, I've got two amazing kids and wife that love spending time with. So, whatever's thrown at me in the summer, we'll we'll sit down and and decide. Okay, so to talk about the media stuff, because the last time we were next to each other was playing for England twenty ones. But to talk me, well, we we talk in the media now together. But how has that actually been for you? And do you think that now you're on the other side of the curtain? Do you think you have a greater appreciation, or rather, you would have treated media a bit differently when you were playing more regularly? Um, no, because I always did the media. Yeah, I was always. I'm a lot more relaxed now because I have more an opinion. And when I see players doing interviews, and I think, well, they can't be too open. They can't really have an opinion because if they said some of the things that they're really thinking, they yeah. get them in big trouble. Yeah. So they always have, they always have a have a barrier up, and that'll never change. And it wouldn't have changed if I knew what I knew know now. But then it wouldn't have changed because you have to keep your arms. Yeah arm's length and you've got to be careful what you say so when you get older you can have an opinion you, you've been there and done it you've had made them mistakes you've you've experienced the good and the bad so no I've <laughs> always I've always done the media I've always been open and I, I've never I'm, I'm still not this like one of those that be will be really critical I think people can always do better if if lads have got the right attitude which I think the majority, you look at them now, things have changed Need since we started. Lads going out, Saturday, Tuesday sessions, they've long gone. I'm in a dressing room now where lads are focused. They realise yeah. that the opportunities they can get is is just amazing. I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to have a little swipe here, like traditional football media. The one things that get me, and I won't necessarily call them lazy reporters, but as the season progresses, if your team wins five in a row, you know the questions that are going to come. If your team loses five in a row, you know the questions that are going to come. If you've played well at the weekend, then they'll say, how are you going to get ready for the next weekend? And the questions always get met with the same answers. So I wonder to myself, what was the point in the interview? Like if I think players ultimately, 
for as much as they're always wary about everything they say, because you don't necessarily want to put yourself out there to be criticized for something wild. I think if you ask certain or different type of question, then you'll get different responses and you can actually find out more about the people as opposed to getting the robot who stands in front of the camera and says, yeah, so we played well at the weekend, but we're not going to take anything for granted because the team we're playing against this weekend, they're a really good team and we know we have to work hard to try and win the game. Insert that into any one of the next 50 interviews that'll be done up and down the country. And that's the headline. So why not ask a different type of question? You know what I mean? And you might get a different type of response. That's your intelligent need. That's why you're a different <laughs> level, mate. That's why you are you are the man. But it's true. Have, have a friendly conversation, very open, rather than get your yeah. your players back up for a minute one. If yeah. we're if I'm having a nightmare and he's coming straight at me, what am I going to do? I'm yeah. going to think he's. Yeah. I'm going to think right. I ain't giving him nothing. I've yeah. got to be back up against him already. I've got to defend myself. I've got to defend the teammates. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just how it is. Yeah, like you can see, you can sense it straight away. Someone's coming over. So what were you thinking for that first goal then? Well, you know. I just thought, let me have a huge rick here. Let me just mess up as quickly as possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've had a few. I've had a few of them, mate. Yeah, literally, literally. Like it's just not. It's just not going to happen, right? So I'm skipping through certain bits here because I want to keep it too long. But there's one thing in particular which I want to address. Okay. So throughout your career, you played a long time for Spurs. You had, you were, you say, your second season was your best season. Would you say, or your third? Uh, 2010. Okay. 2010 South Africa, just before the World Cup. Okay. There we go. You've led, it's the perfect segue. It's like, you know exactly what's going on here. So you played four games for England. And this might be, it was, it, to be fair, it's a two-parter. This might be tough to answer. But the first bit is, even though every cap is an honour, do you think you maybe deserved more? I think I was in an era where I had unbelievable players ahead of me. Um, and, and let me go back to when I first was called into the squad. At the 19th birthday, I was training with, with the 21s, David Platt. I'm trying to think, was it Sven at that time? I think it was Sven. Goran Eriksson, I went up and trained alongside Saul Campbell. Um, I think Carragher was there at the time. I think Gareth Southgate was there at the time as well. So that was my first eye-opener. Yeah. Over the, I was training for a World Cup, went and trained with England for, for a period of time. Steve McLaren came in and was unbelievable. I had Rio, I had JT, I had Carragher, I had uh, Matty Upson, I had Ledley King, and there's probably some other ones I missed there. So I, I look at the line, Jonathan Woodgate, and whenever Steve McLaren put me in the squad, I was always thinking, we were, I remember being 6-1 up against Jamaica, playing at Old Trafford, I was thinking, please, come on, Steve, put me on, give me 10 seconds. And I remember saying to my dad after that game at Old Trafford, Dad, I'm never going to get a cap. We're 6-1 up against Jamaica, yeah. and I still didn't come on. And I was thinking, look, I'm playing to... Playing unbelievable for Spurs. I'm in the England squads, but Steve McLaren was incredible. When there was any injuries, I was in the squad. Yeah. When I wasn't, he'd always pick up the phone. Uh, and then there was obviously Jaggy Elk and Gary Cale in, in the sim similar era to mine. Should I got more caps? Obviously not, because I didn't. Um, but I'll be very thankful that I got four and I went to a World Cup in 2010 in South Africa and I'd, I had an amazing experience. I was a fan. I was on a golfing holiday and I trained with unbelievable footballers. So, <laughs> you, no, I was I was happy enough with four. You're doing, this, you're doing this thing again where it's like a perfect segue to the question I was just about to ask. So you were on standby for the 2006 World Cup, on standby for 2010, but then Real Ferdinand got injured, so you got called up. And you, like, everyone can gather now, you're a really positive person. You put really positive perspectives on things. And I think that's very, very good and refreshing because I think more people should be like that or could be like that. 
But usual questioning, which you'd probably hear about World Cups is, oh, that must have been such a great experience. But, but to go to a World Cup and to get a sense that you're probably not going to play, when you talk about personal, professional pride, like I know you're a cheerleader, but you're playing week in, week out for Spurs. Like, realistically, how, how did that feel during that time for you personally? Like, disregard well, the whole team thing for now, but you personally? So, before we had two weeks in, in, in Austria, I think it took a squad of 30. So, we went up into the Alps, high altitude training. We'd sit in our room. We had masks on for an hour and a half at night. In your, it was a little room, to be fair, a little bedroom, and you had to sit there to try and get there for the altitude for when we went to South yeah. Africa. Two weeks, come back. He's going to name 23 in the squad. So I remember we've been with Tom, who I'm still good friends with. And we're both out in Loughton. We're in a, in a restaurant in Loughton. And my phone goes, oh, it's Tom's went first. <laughs> Tom said, I ain't answering it. Yeah. So I went, next thing, my phone goes, it's uh, it's Fabio. Hi, Michael. I went, hi, Fabio. And he was like, unfortunately, I'm naming the squad. You're not going to be in it. I was like, okay, Fabio. What like it was? I thought it was going to be me or Matty Upson. To be fair, there was um, Rio, JT, Ledley King, Jamie Carragher, and myself and Matty Upson. So the six went. So I thought it was going to be me or Matty. So I said, "No problem, Fabio. I'll be watching. Good luck." Off we went. Yeah. So me and Tom went out for a few beers that night. Uh, both thinking now we're on our holidays. Next day they flew out. The following day, they must have been in South Africa. Trained. Rio then does his his medial. So he's out for the tournament. And I remember at the time, my sky had gone off in my house for some reason. I don't know if it was because I hadn't cut my trees or it was, or whatever it was. My phone's going mad, going, Dorsey, are, are you going to South Africa? I'm like, why? What's happening here? And me and my wife, uh, we'd booked, it was our wedding anniversary. So I'm going then into London for the weekend, taking away, mixing yeah. the paparazzi outside my house. Never had paparazzi. <laughs> Didn't know paparazzi existed. I knew who I was, where I lived, whatever it was. I'm like, what is going off here? And then Michelle phones me, Michael, Rio's out. You're on the next flight. This was like probably three o'clock. It was on 10 o'clock flight to South Africa. The next next day, I'll see you in, uh, I said to the wife, up for six weeks. It ended up only being four because we didn't get to the final. But going out there and then we they picked up injuries. Ledley picked up a groin injury. Carragher, Jimmy Carragher got suspended in the first two. So it was like, now I've got, oh, I might, now might be playing because it's me or Matty Upson. Who's it going to be? And, you think realistically, Matty was already in the squad. Yeah, Surely's going to play JT and, uh, and Matty, and Matty scored and and did well, so he, he stuck with it. But f- from from an experience, it, it was an unbelievable experience. Some of the players there, just to see how a tournament was, the pressures that is put on England. I was, yeah, I was. A, I'm a fan, still a fan now. I was a fan when I was younger. Go and watch World Cups, watch the Euros. Go to the pub with your mates. Just things that normal people do. That's just how it was. And now I'm there with with the press for ten minutes and these players. It, it was just it was a, it was an absolute whirlwind, but an amazing experience. Although, unfortunately, I, and I hadn't got a cap at that time. I still had to wait till we got back till I got my four caps. Yeah. So yeah, that that was it. Okay. Okay. So then, um, you trying to think what what did I want to ask you? What type of thing do I want to ask you? Here? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll I'll try and speed things through a little bit because like listenership gets a bit funny around the now. I've I've noticed you guys, but if you could re- relive one moment from your career, what would it be? Uh, 
Got him. Got him. You've got me. You've got me. One. I can only leave one. Just one. Just one. Need I've had some amazing. I was going to say it's a bit. It's a bit I've, had, I've had some real, spe- real special moments, and I'll always be thankful for that. Uh, I can go through the San Siro beating, beating AC Milan one nil. The Bernabeu losing four nil, but it was an unbelievable experience. The the two thousand and eight. I wish I could relive the 2008 League Cup, but it'd be involved. I pulled my hamstring a week before at Derby. Right. And I've still got this regret that I knew I wasn't right playing against Derby. And I pulled my hamstring and was out for six weeks. So I probably wouldn't have played in the Cup final because it would have been Ledley and, <clears throat> and Jonathan Woodgate. But I'd have been involved. And I just felt so distant that I'd played in every round to get to that final yeah. that I missed it. So I'd probably say reliving that, but be fit. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, it, I think you've kind of answered this already, but is there anything you'd learn you've learned about the game as you've gotten older, which you wish you would have known when you were younger? Probably not to put as much pressure on myself. Um, learn, learn the game. I think the game's got quicker. I wouldn't say I've learned. I've learned anything. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've learned anything. I, I think I've always been this human being. That I've given everything. To whatever I've done, yeah, uh, and I've got I've got no regrets in anything that's happened in my career. I mean, you lie in bed when you've got injured. Should I have done this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've said in all my career, I've been, I've been very fortunate. I'm thankful that I played till thirty. That I've played at thirty-seven. Um, some amazing times. Some some real lows. So, so no, I can't. I can't really put on anything like that. No, I can't. Sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, cheers. Sorry. No, cheers, mate. Cheers for that answer. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> next time I'll just get like a deep fake of you just saying it or whatever. <laughs> right. Okay. Then. So just a, just a couple more. Just a couple more. Okay. When you eventually stop, what do you reckon you'll miss the most? Saturdays, that feeling of of having that that. The nervousness inside your yeah. your stomach when you're walking down a tunnel and thinking you've got thirty thousand, forty thousand, yeah. four thousand at times, but just that feeling to have that expectation and the highs when you win on a Saturday, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it gets any better. Yeah. The low, I, I won't have the lows, but the highs when you win and you've got something planned to do on a Saturday night and you've won and you wake up on a Sunday morning, oh, you. Top. Three points in the bag, and you think going to go into Monday week's training. And I, I look, I still love going in training. I, I've not had that this year because I've not been involved. Um, so I've had that training mode where I go in and enjoy being with the lads. I have a bit of fun, but I've had no pressures. Yeah, yeah. and and that is something you have as as a footballer. And I'm not too sure how many players I've played with that. that that don't get nervous. Probably, Tom's the only one. I, people ask, "Do you get nervous?" Said, yeah, you get nervous because you've got that inner feeling that you don't want to, you don't want to let anyone down. You want to win. You want to perform, and you've got to, you want to be successful. Yeah. So you've got all these pride, all this pride to, that has made you strive to, for success. And I think as well with football, as we saw at the weekend in the Manchester derby, is you never know how it's going to go. You know what I mean? Like even for you as a player going out there, you're part of a collective with another group of players who could do anything and a bunch of officials. You just don't know where the conditions, it could have a bad bounce, you know what I mean? And that, you know, that, that is a great feeling. And to be fair as well, you, you keep mentioning Tom, for people who don't know, that's Tom Huddleston, friend of the show. Yeah. Needs to make sure we name him specifically. And when 20 minutes ago, so when he said Gaz, he meant Gareth Bale. I don't know if, because most people don't call him Gaz, but I'll just, I'll just let you know about that fact. 
So what? Uh, I'm going to go back, but I would relive a slip in the semi-final against <laughs> Portsmouth as well at Wembley. Oh, yeah, it's just come to me. Yeah, oh, let's let's uh, yeah let's leave that. So, what do you think? Also, in fact, what in normal life are you looking forward to the most? Being able to go on holiday with my family, as, in school holidays. Yes, not as just and when. Ha- not just have to go when you're finishing the middle of May yeah. and you start back at the start of July. Yeah. So you've got a six-week period. You try and get everywhere in the space of six weeks. And by the time you're thinking, oh, I'm ready to go back to training for a rest and pre-season <laughs> at this time. So, no, look, I'm I'm really looking to spending some summer holidays. I just hope we can. We will wait and see. It's yeah, the year sure, we, yeah. The year, we, the year we've had, obviously, along with everyone with, with COVID, has been hard with the kids. Uh, but have some real, real family time with with a family that you, and, and not to be dictated where you are. You can go and do things when you want. When you've been in the game twenty years, you can never plan. Yeah, you get told you plan something on a Tuesday afternoon. We're training late Tuesday. You think, oh no, I've got to change that meeting. I've got to change this. Yeah, yeah. It's just how it is. So all these little things that you've had for twenty years, but you've had structure mm-hmm. goes out the window. You'll be able to do what you want when you want. So after six months, I'll probably be bored out my brain, and I'll be. <laughs> I'll be having a podcast like you, mate. Listen, at this point, I'll say I'm not six months into it, but I do have a lot of freedom, mate. My working week at the minute probably lasts for about five hours. And I'll be honest, I'm enjoying it. Like, I don't know what you'll yeah. be like, but I'm enjoying it. But one final question then. Um, this is the one that people always want to hear. And I want to know what the best five-a-side team is that you can put together of players that you've played with. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Right. Oh. Even in my four caps for England. Yeah, yeah. I can throw that in there, yeah. I can do you, that. You can, you Listen, can give me them. Every cap matters, right. mate. Every cap every, matters. Every cap, every cap. I've got to go Rooney up top. Start with me striker, Rooney. Yep. It's like a kid, in a kid in a playground. He'll run everywhere for you. He'll defend. He'll dive in front of the goal for you if he had to. Rooney. Yeah. Winner. Gareth Bale. Yeah. Modric. Yeah. Right, I've got three. I've got three. I know I was a defender. Um, are you thinking Ledley King or are you going elsewhere? I'm, I'm thinking Ledley King or JT. I'm thinking Ledley was great when I played for Wales against Wales, and he helped me through me one of me one of my caps. But I've got to go Ledley because yeah. Ledley could dribble. He's a dribbler, Ledley, yeah. he, with his left foot outside of his left foot, left right, uh, right. I need a goalie, so we've got Ledley King at the back, Gazbell and Modric to the in the left. Field. Modric to the right, Rooney through the middle. Well, Rooney will play everywhere. He'll play left back, yeah. right back, centre forward. He'll score a goal and probably in goal. I'm a goalie. Um, for what he's gone, gone on to achieve, Paul Robinson was one of my early early goalies who I played with. But I think Hugo, World Cup winner. Yeah. When he came came in, some of the saves he, he makes and still doing, it's got to be Hugo, Hugo Lloris. Absolutely perfect. And just like that, we've wrapped it up. So I want to say a big thank you to you. And I hope, the final chapter of your career gets to be as good as the rest of the story has been so far. And really do. Need, it was a pleasure and thank you for having me, mate. Hope you, hope you all enjoyed. Yeah, mate, it's, that's top. That's top. I love that. Thank you very much for today, mate. I'm going to go and eat my dinner now since I'm at home. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Legend. No, that's all right. Take it easy, man. Have a good week. Top man, mate. Cheers, Wes. Bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it. Please allow me to say a big thank you again to Michael, one of the nicest people in football for sharing his story with us. And thank you, my people, for tuning in yet again. I must say, I love being able to hear from good people. So with a bit of luck, long may I have the privilege. But anyway, it's thank you time. 
And the first one goes out to our producer, Mr. Ryan Hale over there in Utah. And the next and most important one this week to my family for staying quiet enough to not be heard in the background of today's show. And finally, thanks again to every listener that's made it this far. You are the best. Be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already and be ready as there's plenty more to come. Bye for now.